Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality. These messages are given seeking to speak as the oracles of God, as it says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. When we gather together, we are to seek to allow God, by his Spirit, to th speak through each one of us, not just the people at the front. Every member of the body should be seeking to allow God to speak by his Spirit through them the words that are truly coming out of them from God. This is further clarified in Revelations 19.10, which says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, with great reverence and love and humility, we are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances that can come forth in a song that is spontaneous, where we don't even know what we're going to sing. We might have a seed thought of the theme of what we're going to sing. But when it comes forth, it comes forth beautifully and creatively because we're not thinking about what people are thinking. We're caught up with our love for God and we're perceiving him with the eye of our heart and the glory of his majesty and beauty of holiness. It may come out as a word of exhortation or as a prayer or some other way. But we are all to seek to allow God to speak through us prophetically. And it comes out of a heart set and a mindset of worship, as explained in that verse I just quoted from Revelations 19.10, if any man worship God. It's, it says to worship God in spirit and in truth. But in this chapter, in Revelations 19, it says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Well, today is Saturday, October the 8th of 2022, and tomorrow is the beginning of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a feast that has not yet been fulfilled in its full realities such as, for example, the Passover, which was fulfilled when Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead. Now, I want to explain to you that when I give these messages, I seek to speak as I just encouraged you to share in the gatherings. I speak seeking to allow God to speak through me. And so to facilitate that, I also cast lots to get two different chapters, the possibility of any chapter in the Bible with two different applications. So that those two chapters will bear witness with each other as to what the theme is that God is wanting to speak by his spirit. And then I spent a half an hour meditating on those two chapters and immediately after give the message in most cases sometimes i have a nap this time i'm doing it immediately after and i also choose a song the same way by the casting of lot before god but not always because i'm very fussy and i'm wanting to put up songs 
on my website at the same time that are part of the message that have the words on video as well as it has to be a really high quality song with words that have depth and meaning and beautiful creative music that goes with it. And so sometimes the words are always fitting by the casting of Lot before the Lord, but not always the ones that I would want to use actually in the message. So today I'll probably be going with a song that is different than what I got from this hymn book of 1,080 hymns. I will read some of the words, though, I got today out of those 1,080 hymns. I got hymn number 11, and it reads this, Thou, Father, who art spirit true, the holiest of all, we worship in the Spirit now, in truth upon thee call. A spirit thou hast made for us, that we may worship thee, that echoing in spirit thus, one spirit we will be. The Father in the Son has come. The Son, the Spirit's, is that our spirit God may come, that to our spirit God may come. Oh, what a grace is this. The Son is thine eternal word. The word is spirit too. The Spirit, as our life has come, our spirit to renew. The Spirit in our spirit is, and thus in unity thy spirit witnesseth with ours that we are born of thee and everything thy spirit leads, that we may follow him. We thus may spiritual become with life and peace within. In spirit we would worship thee, in spirit thee address until our spirit is released, thine image to express. Our Father, we would praise thee now that thou, that thou the spirit art, in spirit and in truth to thee, true worship we impart. So this particular song, emphasizes God's dwelling in us by his spirit. And indeed, that is the theme that has come out in the two chapters that I, that is part of the theme, not the theme, but part of the theme that has come out in the two chapters that I have received by the casting of Lot before God. So first of all, I'm, the one I've chosen is different, and we're going to go with this one. I did want one that would be appropriate for the Feast of Tabernacles, tabernacles but I found that they were all either too fancy and the sense of, um, you know, it's either a solo or it's not. I love it. It's always, to me, it has to be corporate worship, not just some solo or something that is fancy, but it really is applicable and so the one I've chosen, which is not by the casting of Lot, is this one here that we were about to sing. Join me now.
to come into the place in our walk with God where we are in a union of communion that is ever enlarging and continual throughout the day 
that there is that consciousness within us, even in the midst of the busyness, that we can turn to him and know that deep fellowship with God. But there are things that can very easily creep into all of our lives, the most mature of us, that can suddenly displease, subtly be such that it displeases the Lord and his spirit withdraws. But God wants us to come into this place of such a deeper union with him in these last days. And today especially, the emphasis is on the Feast of Tabernacles, which starts tomorrow on Sunday and lasts for a week. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles is representative of God who will dwell among us in, will will tabernacle among us. It is the whole ultimate consummate purpose of the existence of all things and why everything exists. It is that they might be one with God, that God might be married to his creation, and especially to us that have been redeemed. And I want to just share with you the two chapters now I received from the word of God today by the casting of the lot before the Lord. It is 1 Corinthians 6 and Ezekiel 37. First of all, we'll go to 1 Corinthians and read some of the scripture there. Beginning in verse 9, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. We go on and we also read further down in 1 Corinthians 6.16. What know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This chapter is requiring that we, as his people, live a holy life from our heart. It says in Proverbs that we are to guard our heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. When we don't guard our heart, out of a love for God, out of recognizing how he so delights in us and loves us and desires to dwell in fellowship with us 
And we don't guard our heart. And it's happened to me even this week. I will admit it. There are times, yes, like I said, even people that walk close with a God, God, especially me being single, I got carried away in my imagination a few times, and I know it displeased the Lord. In fact, when that happens, even if I cast lots, the lot doesn't work before God. Until there's a full and a thorough repentance of the thoughts that I was entertaining. Till we come to a place where we learn to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, there will be times where things will not be working together for good because of what is happening at that moment in our lives. Overall, they are because we love God but it's going to result in impediment and hindrance in our walk. And of course, the emphasis I'm wanting to emphasize today in the message is Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, God dwelling among us, not only corporately, but individually, as it is emphasized here in 1 Corinthians 6.16, for he cannot dwell among us corporately if we as individuals within the body of Christ have leaven. In fact, even if one has leaven, it will leaven the whole lump. Let's say there's bitterness or there's immorality, as was in the early church that Paul addressed in, to the Corinthians, where there was incest. And they were still going on praising God and their sin in their midst. And Paul says, how can you all be up there praising God on all this? And you're ignoring the leaven that's in your midst that you know is in your midst. At least the leadership knows. And you haven't humbled yourselves and repented and turned to him that this person would be dealt with. If we want God to dwell among us, first we must be serious in our own lives that we are living in a wholehearted love relationship. Yes, the word of God says in Jonah, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And indeed, Paul said concerning this person that committed incest that they should be delivered to Satan for the destruction of their body that their spirit might be saved. And there is a sin that is unto death and a sin that is not unto death as mentioned in 1 John 5. In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, it says, this sin will not be purged from you until you die. Then you're going to know that I am God, but you're going to suffer the terrible consequences. And you don't want to lose out. And what God's intention is for your life, his intention out of his jealous love for you is that you should have the most fulfilling life that is ever enlarging in creativity of fellowship with him and in the way he has uniquely made you. Do you want to be robbed of all of that so that merely your spirit is saved? You will have a lot lower existence. And once you're in eternity, that's it you will fit into that beautiful mosaic. And I would warn those that would think that they can live a life of sin that really you can't. It is even concerning that you would even 
possibly enter the kingdom of heaven if you leave with willful sin in your life that you have not repented of. What brings wholeness in our lives is holiness. We should not look at a holiness as something that is grievous, that we must do. Yes, dying to the flesh is painful when we're tempted. It's very difficult. We need to not shrink back in, the, in our weakness and ignore our weakness, but come boldly to the throne of grace with our weakness, that God may take that weakness that we've confessed to him and say, God, I don't think I can, I can do this. Lord, help me. Have mercy on me. Take this desire away. Please take it, Father. Have mercy. God will hear the cry of those that are genuine, that want to please him in their weaknesses and helplessness. He is jealous. He wants to dwell in fullness in you and you to know an abundant life. And he can bring those natural satisfactions. With me, it's still that I've been single all my life. That's not been easy. I'm not going to tell you what my age is. I look a lot younger than I am chronologically. But I still believe God probably has a wife. In fact, I know he has a wife for me. But the important thing is not whether I have a wife or not, but that I'm married to him, that I'm in a deep love relationship with him. Now, I want to go to Ezekiel and I want to point out about the Feast of Tabernacles here and some of the real significant symbolism in the Feast of Tabernacles that needs to be driven home to the body of Christ and to you as an individual. So in Ezekiel 37, it is about the dry bones. And a lot more is in that chapter than just about the dry bones. But we, many, most of us are familiar with this vision from God, where Ezekiel is in a valley that is filled with dry bones, which represents the nation of Israel, who is feeling such hopelessness and emptiness and dryness and totally feeling forsaken of God. Scattered to the ends of the earth. And then the bones come together. And the sinew comes on the bones and the muscle and the skin. But they're not alive. And so he prophesies. And the wind comes and he says, Oh, wind, come to the, these, oh, breath, come to these, this multitude. And it comes and they stand up an army. And it represents the fact that the time is coming when they that have had no hope will be filled with the Spirit of God. Right now, Israel is not filled with the Spirit of God as a nation. But they have come together. But the time is yet to come when they know the resurrection power of God entering them as a nation. And they will be saved in that day as a nation, as prophesied in Zechariah chapter 12, where it says, they will look on me. And that's referring, that me is referring to God. They will look upon me whom they have pierced. And they will mourn and cry deeply and recognize that he is finally who the real Messiah is. Oh, did I see an amazing video in the process of writing my book on the afterlife, which is in my book, on a Jewish lad of 15 that died and saw the Mount of Olives 
when he was in paradise, God showed him the Mount of Olives splitting in half in the battle that Israel only could withstand the enemy for two days. It was overwhelming. And he describes it in detail what he saw. And he didn't know about the two prophets in Revelation. And he sees two men rise up on both sides of the Mount of Olives from the dead. And then right after that, the Mount of Olives, soon after that, the Mount of Olives splits in half and the Messiah is standing there. And he can smell those that really fear God. That's the way he described it. He smells out those that fear God and they can come in and have eternal life. It's like that where that split is, is a gateway into refuge from the enemy. And then he spreads out and his power hits the whole earth with a mighty earthquake. And his presence fills the whole earth with such a brightness of glory that those that breathe the air that do not know God are consumed into ashes by the presence of God. And the wicked are trampled under feet. Now, not everything that I said about the ashes and the air was in described by this Jewish lad, but you can look it up on YouTube. I don't remember the title of it, but if you might find it by typing in Jewish lad uh, and the Mount of Olives. I don't know. Something you might find. Anyhow, no time for that. I want to go on reading here in Ezekiel. Some of the chat, some of the verses here. So I'm going to just go to the beginning up here. It says in verse 22, and I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will save them out of their dwelling places wherein they have sinned and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people and I will be their God. Again, we see the importance of holiness, of our lives being separated unto God, unto holiness, so that we know how to possess our vessel in sanctification and honor before God. That is God's purpose, that we know how to submit our body, a living sacrifice to God. It's a lot. You know, yeah, we can be those that are martyred, burned at the stake. But it's a lot more important that daily we are a living sacrifice before God. That we submit our bodies, that we die to our fleshly desires and deny ourselves out of love for him each day. Out of love for him, not out of some religious mindset of denial. We go on and we read here Skipping down to verse 26. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them. See, this is Sukkot. This is God coming down to dwell with his people. Yea, I will be their God and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, which in the Hebrew is Yahweh, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. 
more. Oh, hallelujah. How wonderful. God is seeking his corporate bride. And it's going to be the merging of the two streams, the stream of the Gentiles with the stream of the Jews under the full headship of their Messiah and of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. In one new man as described in Ephesians. But we're on a pilgrimage. And in the Feast of Tabernacles, there are many symbols. One of the main symbols is that you build a booth. But the booth is built so that you don't have protection from the rain, but it's not raining in those lands. It's usually just kind of on the cold side of this time of the year. What is the significance of building a booth with a roof that you can see the stars and the heavens through? Here is the significance of it, individually and corporately. It is that it is so easy for our hearts to become insular, covered up, hardened with the activities of our own desires and or even in motivations that are pure to serve God. But we get carried away in our own strength, in our own righteousness, in our own ways, and we become busy and we lose out in the first love like the church of Ephesus. And so now you've got a tabernacle where the roof is totally enclosed and you're in totally enclosed and you cannot see. You've lost your sight. You've lost your vision, your passion for God, your perception of how beautiful and glorious God is by the, it's like the nucleus of an atom. The electrons spinning around the atom are spinning so fast that they're forming a very hard shell. And the only thing that can break that hard shell is the positive and the negative in electricity. The negative representing the integrity of God's love and his holiness that will not tolerate sin. The positive representing the crossing out of the negative, forming the symbol of the cross, which represents God's mercy that took our place and we come to God with a heart that is undone before him to receive the greatness of his love and his mercy. And that is, in essence, what is required in the genuine fear of God. First, the fear of God is totally reciprocative of God, is ultimately trustworthy in the integrity of his love that requires judgment so that it perceives his severity on sin, not wrongly, but as good because it ensures no corruption. It ensures goodness because it judges the corruption that would destroy goodness in our lives. And the ultimate purpose of goodness, which is heaven with God, which is marriage to God, which is God dwelling among us. God is wanting us in our walk to have a vision who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And so we must be mindful that we are not in this world to build our own little kingdom. And how many have started out in ministry and ended up building their own kingdom? They started it out building the kingdom of God, but they ended up building their own kingdom. 
God is calling us in these last days to overcome these things so that he can be for us an everlasting dwelling place. We are living in a time when John 17 is the zeal of God's heart that we come into such a oneness with God and with each other. That unlike past revivals that can come and go, this ever enlarges onto the coming of Christ because the leadership facilitates the body so that there is no schism in the body because the leadership allows each member to function freely in the body so that more abundant honor can be poured on the part that lacks as described in Corinthians so that those that are not highly looked up to God puts more grace on to humble those that are highly looked up to so that the mountains come down and the valleys are raised and the glory of God is in our midst. We're on a pilgrimage and God wants us to be mindful of where we came from, from out of Egypt and what our destiny is, which is with him, married to him in heaven. And heaven is going to conquer the earth eventually. The Feast of Tabernacles also has the symbol of the water being poured with the wine, which represents Christ's blood that was outpoured on the cross, but also represents the outpouring of his spirit to dwell among us and of his word that cleanses us, that exposes all that is corrupt so that it can't stay in our lives. And he wants us to begin to drink of the fountain of his love outpoured for us in his blood and his body that was broken, but also in his spirit that is outpoured. From, and in his spirit is the word that comes and illuminates us and reveals to us truth so that we can live this holy life as individuals and corporately come together in that same oneness in these last days. And I've written a book called God, Headship, and Body Invasion, which you can purchase on Amazon by David James Thompson. And it's all on what you can do in your local assembly to facilitate not limiting the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. Yes, there's going to be this tabernacle dwelling among Israel in the last days. But there's also going to be tabernacles throughout the world of God's dwelling place. And it doesn't matter, as that lad mentioned, it didn't matter whether you were in Jerusalem or somewhere in North America. There was the same presence of the glory of God wherever people were assembled around him. The earthquake didn't harm them. And the fire of God's presence that filled the atmosphere didn't burn them because they were in a love relationship with God when his presence filled the air with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Oh, hallelujah. We are living in a time when it's going to get darker and darker, but the light and the gathering together of those that love God is going to become brighter and brighter and is dwelling among us. He is wanting nothing less than the church to be his corporate bride, his fearless, conquering corporate bride in these last days. And will we want to settle for anything less than being victorious, being an overcomer? No. 
Let us be those that are overcomers and will settle for nothing less than being triumphant. Thanks be unto God that causes us and all things to triumph in Christ Jesus. Are we going to be overcomers? Are those that are allowing the enemy to manipulate us with bait and rob us of ultimate meaning, purpose, and destiny in our lives? Wake up, church. It is time to seek the Lord until he rains righteousness on you and on us, his people. We need to come together and seek him as never before. It's all in my book, even the plan to bring churches together in each community and city around Christ to seek him maybe for three days of fasting and prayer and cry out mightily to God as never before. This is how we'll conquer our nation with the gospel and we'll be delivered from the oppressive tyranny that's taking over the whole world at this time. Using COVID as an excuse. I won't go into that. I have all the links on my site at loverealize.com and ultimatemeaning.com to the best sources for news that don't lie to you. Thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all.